Welcome to Brand Story, Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week, we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Joining us today on Brand Story, Inc. is Philip Tiongson, the founder and CEO of Potion. Potion is an interactive media and design company uh, and one we at Teamworks Media have partnered with on several projects, in full disclosure. Philip drew on his experience as an artist, software engineer, and storyteller and started Potion in 2005. He's a graduate of the prestigious MIT Media Lab and has an MFA in film directing from Columbia University and has been recognized, Potion has, as one of the fast, as fast Company's top 10 most innovative companies in design. Potion's client list includes the likes of the Museum of Science and Industry, Smithsonian Networks, NYU, Nike, St. Regis Hotel, and multiple projects that we've collaborated on with at both Northwestern University and within Northwestern Athletics. If you've been to any of these places and had wow experiences with touchscreen media and other interactives, most likely it's Phillips and his team's work. Philip, welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks, Jay. It's great to be on, and thanks for uh, inviting me. Well, I'm excited. I am too, and I'm a sucker for um, crazy people like you and me who start, <laughs> start their own companies. So I, I know. Want... <laughs> you have to be crazy. You have to be crazy. I want to start with no your... sense. I, exactly. I want to start with your origin story. I mean, you opened in 2005, but tell us who Potion is in 2021 and how the business came to be and how you've evolved over time. Well, basically, you know, in 2005, I was coming out of school and I had this computer science degree and a degree in film directing. And I was like, there's gotta be a way to make interactive stories. And I was going around sort of to film studios and to um, you know, motion graphic studios. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, what you're showing me is awesome. I have no idea what to do with you. <laughs> are you are you a computer programmer or are you a you know are you a designer? And I'm like I'm sort of both. And they're like, okay, we'll we'll give you a call. And I realized that I didn't sit in the creative departments or in their IT departments or like right. I just didn't fit. Right. And so, um, I was like. I'm going to have to, unless I want to give up one of those things, I'm going to have to start my own thing. And I ended up running into a buddy from, from MIT and he was sort of a closet architect at the time. He was Hmm. like, I, you know, for him, it was about, I want to take these, these, these interactive things into, into spaces. I was like, well, I love spaces too. So we sort of merged our, our thing together and we're like, okay, let's start this thing. And, and we created potions was to take stories into spaces and make them interactive and that's what that was the origin story and and it turned out that the perfect place for that was in museums right mm-hmm. so experiences they were already experimenting with like um taking stories and mapping them out into exhibits right yeah. and um you know raa at uh, the holocaust museum in DC was like the first truly experiential museum where they had taken that one story and mapped it to the whole building. Mm-hmm. And everyone had seen that and were like, oh gosh, we've got to really do that everywhere. And so we 
ended up working with them um, on a museum in uh, Kansas City at the World War I Museum. And we took the story of the conflict of why did World War I happen? Mm-hmm. And it happened because a bunch of people thought, oh, we need to get together and we, we all want to help each other. So we're going to have all these very um, complicated um, treaties. And it turns out if you have these things where everyone wants to help, but something happens that is unexpected, it ends up creating a war. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, you know, then it, it trickles down where everyone's trying to do the right thing. And so what we did was we created this big interactive where everyone was a country. And so everyone was acting in their own self-interest and then it pops over and suddenly a war starts because everyone's trying to do what they think is right, mm-hmm. right? And then, so that was the war table. And then the second phase of that interactive was called the peace table. So now you're at war. And so how do we get to peace, mm-hmm. right? And so in the middle of the World War One Museum was these two interactives, which were to help show people how did this happen and, and then how did we get out of it? And it was, it was like, the centerpiece hmm. of this second, this other experience that they created. And that's what we, we were just at the right place at the right time and it launched the company. Isn't that and, such the part of the origin story, right? Right place, yeah, right time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so now, um, you know, 16 years later, we've been in, you know, in, you know, countries all around the world. We're about to launch, um, an art museum in Hong Kong. We have a, a hmm. the largest art museum, new art museum in the world in Hong Kong called M Plus is is going to be phenomenal. And that project actually started almost to the day that the lockdown started, wow. which is so so. Can you imagine in a project that had to be computed, uh, created almost entirely? remotely 12 time zones away, you know, in collaboration uh, with a team that was also in lockdown that had been in lockdown six months before. Remember they were in lockdown before we were, it was, it, we had to invent a whole new way to, to work, Hmm. you know, in the midst of this, our team went a hundred percent remote, like almost immediately after that project started. Um, so that was new. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, By the way, if you're you know, listening, that... for, for those of you listening, and I'm assuming most of you are like on your iPhone or your device and you're walking around listening to this thing, go to potiondesign.com. Uh, that's the website of Philip's company. And you'll see it's, it's definitely one of those you kind of need to see. And when you see the oh, case yeah. studies and the work section of these incredible interactive designs you'll you'll be like okay i get it i think it'll really help with the context of of hearing philip in this conversation so but philip go ahead no no, no, no. it's 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 one of the hard things about the work is whenever someone like on the golf course is like so what do you do i was like here let me pull out my phone yep. let me show you a video yep yep <laughs> it's it it's 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 about the interaction and i think the when the thing that I really like to say about the work is typically, you know, especially on iPads and iPhones, you think of interactivity as like fingers on glass, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's just like, oh, tap, tap, tap. You mm-hmm. know, what's what's so what's so important about that? 
But when you are thinking about interactivity in space, so when I say spaces, I'm talking about like when you go into a, the lobby of a museum or into, I mean, in the lobby of a, of a hotel or mm -hmm. into the, um, um, let's say a doctor's office uh, or into the, uh, for, we, we've designed um, wellness spaces that are at the center of um, children's hospitals mm -hmm. or in, into an exhibit space for, um, for a Holocaust museum. Each of these spaces actually are, have very different purposes. Some are telling stories about Holocaust survivors or genocide survivors. One is trying to help you zen out while you're in cancer treatment. Mm -hmm. And the, another one is trying to um, distract you from the fact that you're waiting mm -hmm. um, to find out a diagnosis, right? Mm -hmm. And so one you could be gesturing and and having fun right and sort of like playing with animals and <laughs> and, and and doing something fun another is like you're sort of sitting and watching koi sort of like digital koi that are like bringing mm -hmm. beautiful messages you know floating by in the water and you feed them and they they entertain you and then another one is like uh you know again in the holocaust museum you see these 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 faces you know, giving you messages um, and and speaking frankly to you about experiences that they've had, like those are all interactive mm -hmm. um, that have nothing to do with you touching anything, right? That's a good point. And so, and those and they're so specific to those places, and that's the kind of interactivity that I'm interested in. I'm interested in, in like, oh my gosh, I'm standing here and my heart is pounding because mm -hmm. I'm I'm connecting with this person mm -hmm. and. I didn't touch anything. I didn't, you mm -hmm. know, select a button. I didn't like click and drag, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like that's not what it was about. Right. It was about making an emotional connection. So that's, so hopefully if you get even a little bit of that from watching the stuff on the website, it'll get you excited to go visit some of those places. Yeah, yeah, no, it's cool. I mean, so I think that's I, what potion I, is. No, I love it. I mean, I think about the work we did at Northwestern in the visitor center together, right? And mm -hmm. yeah, there's, a, yeah. there's and there's a lobby, and there's an extraordinary interactive wall with that kind of is on brand and and kind of Northwestern's whole mm -hmm. and is in your DNA and kind of multidisciplinary oh, yeah. um, approach. And the storytelling and the interactive wall does that. But I think one of the things to kind of pull the curtain back that most people don't realize was that it was almost a mechanism just to get people up and connected in a really yeah. awkward environment where you're sitting in a, while beautiful, somewhat sterile environment, like waiting with your mom or dad, embarrassed as a 16 or 17 <laughs> year old, right? And like, yeah. I, you know, and like, how do you get people up and connect as humans and conversations start in the wall actually, the interactive is is in many ways an icebreaker for people to have a conversation, which in, right, like which in general exactly makes that experience more memorable. They're not they're not probably not going to remember the story. They're going to remember oh, there was a cool right. wall, but I met that person from Tennessee. And yeah, I know that's point, exactly it's, right. <clears throat> pretty cool. Okay, so you you kind of went yeah. there, but I, I, I'm going to new segment on the show called Pandemic Perspective, and I can't mm, think yeah. of a, a a business that's probably. I mean, they're, well, you're one of many businesses, but in the storytelling space, I mean, so many of Potion's uh, exquisite interactive media experiences are in museums, academia, corporate lobbies. They were all shuttered for, you know, nearly a year and a half. And so as we emerge yeah. from the shadows, I'm really curious to hear how your perspective has changed about the in-person experience in space. Oh, my gosh. I mean, <laughs> like, uh, it's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
heartbreaking. I mean, AAM, the uh, American Alliance of Museums of Richard Remember. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a vendor, like, I mean, we're, we, we work in public space across all sectors, healthcare, mm-hmm. um, uh, arts and culture, you know, commercial, corporate, everywhere, um, sports, you know, higher education. Um, you know, basically everywhere where people come together, mm-hmm. you know, they all basically, you know, had to, you know, having a high capacity space was a liability, right? Yep. And so, um, you know, the everyone was advertising how little capacity that, you know, we're only 50% capacity right now. Yep. Or we're only yep. allowing 25%, you know, we've closed 28, you know, mm-hmm. 80% of our tables are closed. It's safe to come in. Um, and, you know, so... Of course, you know, my first thought is like, you know, I want to be safe. I want my family to be safe. I want it. I want the staff and, mm-hmm. you know, the people that I'm working with. And, you know, my first thought is like, how are all, you know, I want everyone to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. And so, and then I'm my, like, you know, like, oh, but, you know, it would be nice to keep my people working. Mm-hmm. And I begin to ask, you know, so is there anything you need us to do? And they're like, no, not really. And then I'm realizing, you know, the kinds of work that we do, which is generally to engage people on site, you know, that's not really essential work. Right. And, and, you know, it's hard when we get the call that, oh, you know, that, that work that we were going to do with you, you know, we really, really loved it. But um, yeah, we're not going to be able to do that. We're going to have to cancel that contract. And by the way, our team is also getting laid off this right. week too. So, oh. so um, you know, we won't be able to answer your emails either. Mm. So, you know, when our clients, you know, are also we're seeing severe reductions or like mm-hmm. we, you know, our team is on furlough and we're getting twenty percent pay cuts. You know, I'm like, you know, let us know, like. You know how you all are doing. You know, I'm just saying, like, you know, we're we want to support you. Like, mm-hmm. let us know if there's anything we can do to help you, right? Like, so I'm yeah. not looking to sell into right. that environment, right. right? Like that, like I'm like that's right. not a not a good time to say like, and if you got some work for me, exactly. you know, like, yeah. I, you know, it's not, you know, that's not a great thing, right? So, 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 how did, but really, how did, so tell me how to change your perspective, right? Like coming out the other so side. It, so, so, what it, what it, so, so what it changed my perspective is like, you know, if I can't cr- create opportunity for them, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm not offering something that either brings them really good visibility or actually brings in revenue mm-hmm. that, that pays for itself, mm-hmm. then I'm not doing them something that's essential. Right. That's really what changed yeah. my perspective, because generally a mm-hmm. lot of things that are that I would do for a museum, for instance, would be grant funded or would be, yep. you know, would be funded by donor. Right. And that takes time. Right. And mm-hmm. in this moment, there was no time like they needed all the money they had to pay for the staff, yep. right? you know, that or that mm-hmm. they, they had. Right. So unless I can say like, oh, this you can charge five dollars for now. Right. I'll take a dollar. <laughs> you right. you'll get right. four dollars to right. pay your staff. I don't need the money. You know, like right. and we can we can we can get this up and running tomorrow. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if I had something like that, which I didn't at the mm-hmm. time, you know, 
like that's that's it's not going to be attractive because right now they're 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 busy just trying to figure out how to get you know stickers on the floor that yeah. stays stays six feet apart. So, you know, I began to to sort of step back and say like, what well, where is potions value? Like, what what do we understand about these places and and what where where can we leverage our experience um, of these places in a way that they can't, right? That that our our expertise uh, around what they do and about what we know about them, and that's when I realized is that. You know, and, and, and I began to look out on the landscape and see how people were trying to deliver their experiences in a remote or hybrid way. And I began to see lots of experiments with like, oh, come take our virtual tour or come see our VR experience or come see our, you know, our, our thing. And one of my favorite versions of this was um, the Geffen Playhouse. Did you, did you hear about these guys no. out in uh, L.A.? No. The Geffen Playhouse is this 100-seat theater. They are, it's a tiny, tiny uh, theater out mm -hmm. in L.A. Um, they converted themselves into the Geffen Stayhouse hmm. <laughs> um, and got like a, 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 a basically like a, a very modest camera crew. Uh, they, it was written up, I think, in the New York Times, you know, much later. But one of the tech guys on the theater crew was like, hey, I think we could stream this. And they got a, a, a magician created a show called the uh, called the the present. Mm -hmm. No, called yes, either called the future. No, it, maybe it's called the future. It might okay. have been called the present. One of the one of those two. And he did a one man um, magic show that was designed to be delivered over Zoom. Huh. And he. They sold tickets, and they ended up selling out, and um, and it was awesome. And they ended up selling way more than a hundred tickets um, each night. They sold like three or four shows. I think hmm. each show was like twenty-five or thirty people, but like like it was designed where they ended up selling more than a hundred tickets a night. Um, so something. But they could sell East Coast and West Coast tickets, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They could sell tickets, you know, six or seven, like six shows a night. I mean, six 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 nights a week. Mm -hmm. um, they could extend the run for as long as they needed to. Um, the the you know, and it it allowed them to keep a show running, and wow. then they began to develop other more shows you know and they began to do but to your more ways to, to your point though like, it was designed specifically for that environment it wasn't just hey let's scream a magic right. show it was very compelling because of it was using the medium in the way right is that where well, you're going with it? it it was well yeah it was using the medium it was but it was still using the theater right mm -hmm. it was still live mm -hmm. and it wasn't but what was nice is that it wasn't totally it wasn't like in, um, it wasn't in uh, Second Life, yeah. right? Like yeah. it was, yeah. it was actually a real person doing, mm -hmm. doing card trick magic mm -hmm. in the real world, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, so like you know, it was, it it wasn't virtual magic. It mm -hmm. wasn't 
uh, it wasn't in a 3D environment. It was real magic. It was a real person. Um, and you could see other real people on Zoom. And sometimes he would call out someone on their screen and ask them a question or something. Mm -hmm. And so it was, the, again, I, what I liked about it is just that it had elements of both, mm -hmm. right? And that's why mm -hmm. I call it hybrid. It had mm -hmm. elements of like live, but it had, it was delivered remotely in a way that felt very authentic. Mm -hmm. And so that authenticness, that liveness, that, but that ability to attend remotely, I thought was very interesting. And um, it felt uh, like I was at that Geffen Playhouse. Like it felt mm -hmm. like I was there, you know? And so that piece, and, you know, I begin to, I'm sort of collecting examples of how that worked in many different places. And now there's a lot of great examples of that. That was just one of the first. And so building tools and I'm beginning to look at how to, to help people craft those kinds of experiences. Because as you, what I realized is what Potion is really good at in helping build ex, uh, great interactive experiences onsite and distilling those kinds of interactions into onsite experiences. We're also really good at understanding how to lift the those experiential details into remote experiences as well. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think you and I have spoken many times about storytelling that goes beyond brick and mortar, and it's where our yeah, two companies agreed. intersect, candidly, right? You create mm -hmm. memorable design mm -hmm. and user experiences that bring stories to life on site that can extend beyond, and we help shape and tell the stories that are both with you within those spaces, but then also, you know, the point of the conversation, retaining people. Okay. After that two hours at that place, how, now that you've, we've, we've struck a chord, how do we keep you engaged when you leave the physical place? Right. Um, and yeah. so I think, you know, which, you know, are called content communities. And I think what's, yes. what's interesting, you and I joked about this before we came on air and was like, um, my colleague, Mike Sear used pre pandemic would be doing these, speak at the museum conventions and AAM and go into clients. And mm -hmm. he, he would say, imagine a world where something happens where your doors are shut for a year. You can't, no <laughs> one can come. And, you know, you get the eye rolls and people would be like, oh, okay, I'll play along. But seriously, it's like, I believe, and I think you do too, museums are the one segment that are so untapped and have so much potential to create, you know, oh, yeah. a, a, beautifully designed, beautifully engaged kind of like sensibility of Reddit, the deep dive niche oh. media passion place. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. You are absolutely right. Are I mean, you like... seeing signs that that's actually um, evolving towards that world? I wish I could say yes. Um, but it's in my mind, there's a cultural it, there's a cultural bias against it mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. So, and there are a few museums. There are you're 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 seeing some cracks in it, and there are a few museums that are. And I think the pandemic is is begin has forced some places to begin to ask the questions. And so, my I don't know if it's been enough, but but the the cultural bias is because and and this is and, and again I, I think this is something that is so deep seated in in museum culture mm -hmm. and i and i've i've been I, it's you know it's it, this is one of the things again that i've talked to some people 
during the pandemic, very frankly, museum leaders, heads that sort of off the record, I can say, you know, this is this is the way I think it is. And they're like nodding their heads. Mm-hmm. You know, museums, there are two, I, I, I've read this, um, and I, I wish I could quote the source, two institutions that have not fundamentally changed since the Middle Ages, museums and universities. Mm-hmm. And they basically evolved, like in the Middle Ages, they were designed in a time when, when intellectual property and, and, and those, those, those resources had to be literally like collected behind walls and protected from the barbarians, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> whoever you want, whoever you want to define as barbarians, right? But definitely not every, you know, there are, there are people who are not barbarians who are outside the walls and there are people who are, <laughs> who are, who, I mean, sorry, are the barbarians who are outside the walls who are not barbarians who are inside the walls. Um, and, you know, there is a gate, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, that gate is, is, you know, who's let in and let out um, is what, is just built in. Mm-hmm. It's just part of the culture, yeah. right? And so the that you know, no matter how much you talk about, oh, museums should be accessible, highly accessible. Everyone wants DEAI, right? Every mm-hmm. like, but there's su- something about, but you know, it's got to be high quality. It's got to be, you know, right. we can't let everybody have it. You get it? There's, you know, so the idea of like museum as Reddit, museum as game culture museum as um you know like build your own let everyone have everything Mm -hmm. like there's like oh but not that right right but that kind of research you know that's we're not we're not talking about that (laughs) there's a (laughs) like that's there's a there's a real bias against that even though when you look at my son like my son like he will spend hours you know researching you know his you know games and going deep on on characters and development and and things that he he's interested in um but he there's no research no no none of those kinds of forums in yep. the same areas that in in art that he that he well, has access you to. and i are gonna crack that code for people i gotta tell you i've got uh yeah um, uh, my youngest uh, my middle kid turned 16 today so i've got an older since 17 i'm smack wow. dab in the middle of the college experience which is um quite the adventure during covid right now that we're coming out yeah. it's like oh yeah but, but you know this is a whole different podcast but the higher ed i mean <laughs> the bar for separating the bar for separating yourself as a higher ed institution is oh, so man. low to your point of like <laughs> i mean to oh go online and take a virtual visit which are these like overly saccharine scripted you know chroma key oh, yeah. experiences and you're just like Oh my God! Can you imagine if somebody just had an Oculus right now, just to kind of like the bar is so yeah. low. Like it doesn't have to be good. Just the just yeah. the, to rethink yourself. Instead, like half the campuses in America, as we tape this in July, are still closed. Don't come. Can't even do yeah. a tour. It's like yeah. it's it's just uh, you know. Anyway, I, I'm turning this into a bitch fest, and I don't mean to. <laughs> but so let's go positive. What's on the near horizon sure. for you at Potion? and our content world from a technological innovation standpoint? What do you see coming? Oh, well, what I see is, you know, what, what, 
so Zoom, where Zoom is, is where, is where like iPhone one and where, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like I want to say, um, you know, the photos camera roll was, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when iPhone came out, right? Like what we're going to be seeing. In you you might next, be being generous you know, for those of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what we're seeing right now are just the pipes getting connected, Yeah, you know, yep. the pipes, the raw pipes. And so, you know, in the next few years, we're going to start seeing, you know, and I hope that we're part of this, Jay, is, you know, the, these, these pipes are going to start getting smarter mm-hmm. and they're going to become aware of like, oh, no, this is not just – this is not, not everything is a conference call. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like this is actually supposed to be like a hosted thing, mm-hmm. right? I, 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 as a host want to have control over this experience. And as a host, this experience, you know, I want it to be good and I need great tools to do that. And I want to be able to, to, to give my, my audience a really great experience. And, mm. and, then what that means depends on who I am, what kind of host I am, what whether I'm a, you know, whether I'm a college or whether I'm a, you know, a theater or whether I'm a, a museum, and that's going to define a, a whole new class of experiences. I think that that it's it's I think is going to be fascinating and exciting. Well, you know, you and, know, one of the things that you did, I want to jump in here because I'll lose my train of thought. Yeah, There's two Please. projects that you did pre-pandemic that I think are very relevant post-pandemic, right? And so I'll mm-hmm. go first mm-hmm. one first is the the Library of Future that you did, the future, right? The Library of Future that you yeah, did at University yeah. of Pittsburgh. Um, yeah. Again, go to potiondesign.com. You can see the case study there. It's super cool how you took, let's face it, you know, the dusty archived treasured material from behind the gated walls that right, yeah. like the, the school marm protector never lets you go back to see. <laughs> and you put it into this beautiful interactive experience. And just by putting it on that pedestal of making it accessible yeah. and you can, well, you know, there's nothing that quite replaces holding the true artifact in your hand, but like oh, yeah. pulling that to the forefront and the, the key here, again, kind of like we talked about the Northwestern experience, I'm guessing, I had nothing to do with this project, but I'm guessing it's like people don't know what they're interested in, but there's an element of kind of like putting this really neat, these neat things in front of people yeah. that they'd never other see kind of like pulls them into the Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole. and, and um, Totally. So that's one I think that's, and, you know, it's this. You know, and the Cornelia, who the go ahead. the head li- the 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 director of the library there is not is no school school marm. She is a dynamic, amazing character. Yeah, Cornelia, I'm not. Be... I'm, I'm sorry for for <laughs> typing you. No, I'm for listening. Say, she is she is going to be your the project we are going to release next with her mm-hmm. is going to blow your mind. You're going to love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I yeah, that's just a teaser for the next right. project that we're doing with her. But I think to your point, right? Like I. I I'm putting words in your mouth and and maybe it's the teaser, but okay. You still have to go to the actual physical site to get that experience. The next level is to your point of Mm -hmm. like zoom connecting the pipes is like, I'll go back to Reddit. I've got Reddit coming on soon on the podcast. Like just that like singular focus, no nonsense. Like let's go deep on something like to pull Mm -hmm. that to the next level, to make it truly accessible to people. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And not just have it be there, like have it be an experience with context and all the other things that you guys do so well. I feel like those are kind of the um, some of the elements of like the next horizon, right? Yeah. Agreed. Cool. The other one I wanted to get your take on is QR codes as I, I felt like, I felt like they were dead. Like you did something with the field museum, like pre pandemic. And it was like, you know, you go around with your iPhone and I've seen studies that 80% of people are using iPhones in museum to research stuff in that museum. Right. Like, uh, uh, so I thought it was super cool what you did at the field museum, but I kind of thought like QR codes were dead. And then like you go to a restaurant now and it's like, oh my God, I keep thinking the QR code industry must be doing backflips because, yeah, right? Is it, it's actually, what I realized, well, and my my mentor, John Mida, put it this way, it was actually the opposite. Um, Asia, if if you, you might, you might, you might remember this, but, when you know we used to look at um you know fit, like uh shots of asia and everyone in asia was using qr codes and wearing masks mm-hmm. like um and we were like almost like making fun yeah. of it right yeah and we were like oh my gosh why are they wearing masks and why you know qr codes are so popular in japan why 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 and it was because of sars mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they had gone through a pandemic mm-hmm. and so actually they were living in the future right right and and so we are just catching up to that so we are living so really qr codes are being adopted now because it makes sense right. when 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 we need it and so we, it didn't make sense to us before because of course you can just pick up a menu it's just much easier when you can but now no one wants a menu. I'm going to use my phone. So because so it's it's not anything magic. It's right. it's just now people are like, oh yeah, I can use my phone now. I don't want to, don't don't give me that menu. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, That's it's like point. it's it's, yep. it's it's just you know. And so I think that that I think it's really really actually it's just common sense that it's just adopt like people will only adopt what they have to when they need to and. You know, so when we look at, like, it, it just, it, when we look at that, like, oh, yeah, it was adopted in Asia when they had to, and now we're adopting it here, and it's probably going to stick around because, you know, yep. it's once it's here, it's here. And really so good point. that's it. That's it. All right. New segment here, Collaboration Corner. You make a living by working okay. with clients, the likes of which we mentioned in the intro and we've talked about. And there's... you more so than other people, there's such a large Mm. team of people involved on the client side for you and many on your side. In the spirit of the content studio community, what's the best advice you have on how to navigate creative without the collaboration leading to a compromise less than excellent finished product? Uh, um, Okay, so I think candor, candor, candor. I mean, I think that this is one of the things that um, is the hardest especially as a young designer uh you know to to be um to have the confidence to do Mm -hmm. but is to be and and you know jay i think you're really really good at this actually is when you sense a client is holding something back in the room Mm -hmm. to just to just go in and say, I, I think you're not happy with this. 
why right right what's what's what are we missing or or you know um to just just be in the moment not after don't wait for someone to write something to you don't you don't want to hear something you don't want to get the okay in the room and then get the nasty letter after yep you want to get it out in the room as early and as quickly and as as clearly as possible because the sooner that you acknowledge and you can hear exactly what they want the first the more professional you are yeah. because they see you know what they that what they're saying they're like you know you're exactly right that that's exactly how i feel and second the more the sooner you can get that done and make them happy or you can convince them they're wrong right like mm -hmm. it's either either you're like and then they're like you know you're right you know i i i was i was thinking this way but i you know and you get and you get your point across and that's sometimes the hardest thing to do because all you want to do is get out of that room with a yes you yeah know? yeah no i think i and, think that there's it's interesting oversimplifying i feel like we in the creative community have a please there's a there's a pretty strong pleaser mentality that goes along oh, with yeah. creatives right um the other yeah. part of it is there's also on the converse there's a small percentage that are almost like defensive like indignantly yeah. <laughs> and being able yeah. to be self-aware and be like you know i think one of the things it's taken me a long time to kind of stand up it creativity because everyone watches thousands of hours of content my cfo always says this my colleague george everyone's a freaking expert on food and and <laughs> yeah. content right like yeah. And, yeah and it's interesting because it's like look well no i like red right i want to use red philip you got potion like why is everything blue i want it to be red <laughs> right and it's like and, yeah. and it's got to be hard because you're like no there's a there's a re and I, what i have found is that instead of just saying look if you went to a doctor you don't question them you go to a mechanic okay maybe cynical but like you're you're paying for their insights and ability to do it like why are you the expert yeah. on the thing that you're hiring me for like you went to mit right. for christ's sake and got a, a master's at columbia in this stuff it's like you know what you're doing but the, yet still yeah. there's this creative playhouse of like oh i can i can do that and and so it's right. taken me a long time but i think one of the things that i i've started to do more is like i feel that if you explain the reason yeah. why behind the decision and, and because people i think sometimes think things like color can be arbitrary or they're so highly yeah. subjective but it's a tough thing, and it, it's and you guys are masterful at it. You you in particular are so good at explaining the thought process that went behind it, and kind of the pitfalls of somebody else's thinking. And well, have you considered this? And it just it's it's um, I've really enjoyed that with you because your projects mm. are really complex, um, and and you're good at that. So I appreciate you sharing your insights on that. All right, we're, we're running heavy here, and I want to be respectful of time, so yeah. skip ahead. Uh, one more business question, and then we'll get two quick personal ones. The wish I okay. would have known, this is the founders, as an owner and president mm -hmm. 16 years in, give us a number one or two top, quote, wish I would have known, end quote, lessons you've learned since you started the business. Uh, this is a hard one. Um, I think one that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm even today is, is, is hard. Um, I still grapple with, uh, but I think like right now there's, 
one of the things I, I think a lot about is the, um, you know, what am I working for? Mm. You know, you know, am I working for flexibility, my own flexibility, um, with my family, with my time, mm -hmm. am I working for money? Mm -hmm. you no, know, am I working for autonomy? Um, and am I working for creative leadership? You know, because all of those things are kinds of compensation, right? Mm. And I think you get, I think the world really can get you locked into money. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's pretty unfair. And uh, if you get too locked into that, it can get you into making bad decisions and I think it can make you devalue yourself yep. and make you feel bad about things, you know, or it can make you think you made bad, bad decisions. And especially when you hit a moment like what just happened, like the pandemic, yeah. right? Because I love that framing you know, of compensation. Yeah. I've never heard anyone use that term across those different buckets. Like Daniel Pink, the author Daniel Pink goes down like around mm -hmm. motivation and Simon Sinek is renowned for his like, what's your why and purpose. But I just love yeah. that framing of compensation because it is. Yeah. People think of it as legal tender and cash when it's like, it can be fulfillment, it can be autonomy. I, that was, I don't know, I just want to point that out. I've never heard anyone say that before. So what did you, where do you rest on? What's your compensation of choice? Well, I mean, right now, I mean, I'm, I'm finding that like the fact that I have autonomy, the mm -hmm. fact that I can be with my family in a way that I've never been and that I'm not beholden to someone else's schedule and that I have built a team that I really, and, and I don't lose, use this term lightly, that I really love. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the, that, you know, I, I I believe in my team, and I want them to succeed. Um, that's worth a lot to me. Yeah. So. It's so awesome. So, that that that's real compensation for me, and um, and so that's 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 what I want. And so, for me, that's that's why I'm running Potion right now. Final question for you: What's uh, what book is by the bed? What have you just read or are you reading right now? <laughs> just for fun. Oh my gosh. Um, oh, I, there's a there's a book that I just got. It's in my thing. Well, there's a book that I really. I'm sorry. I was looking. Okay. Um, there's my wife just gave me this one, which is super fun. It's called. The Art of the Japanese Cocktail, <laughs> <laughs> um, which I've been sort of obsessed about, like, clear ice. I don't know if and you know about clear ice, but it's really hard to make, and you can make clear ice by freezing water in a very specific way in the freezer, and it's – and. And like you know, it's it's been a pandemic hobby is is like oh, making 
I'm thinking Fun. Philip making clear ice at the Geffen Theater yeah. with the potion-designed yeah. Zoom experience. It's all we're gonna mash it, it all so, up. So yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. I we did like actually that was another one we did. We we uh, uh for our holiday party this year, we actually hired a um uh, uh we did a virtual cocktail bartending experience. We hired a a a, a, co- a bartender and we sent out all of the um. Uh, everyone a, a cocktail kit so everyone got uh, a kit with the shaker and the, all the stuff and then the bartender walked us through the whole process and we all made the cocktails together and again it was like super fun fascinating process and we all learned uh, a custom cocktail a two actually and it was like a great experience and again one of those things that like um yeah couldn't couldn't have done it better in person awesome man well philip tiongson from potion check out potiondesign.com you'll be wowed um really enjoyed this conversation super fun thanks for joining us today thank you take care talk to you soon jay thanks for listening to brand story inc we'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn.